Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. Today we're going to be talking about star seeds, including this feeling that maybe you don't always feel like you belong here on earth. As we are moving into this new age, many are feeling this new energy and seeing the results of these transitions all around us. Millions of souls have offered to be born during this time to help usher in this exciting new era, which after so much growth and challenge and change is said to foster in a new world of love, tolerance, and joy. There's a good chance that maybe you are an indigo yourself, or maybe you have given birth to a crystal or rainbow child, or you are one of these crystal or rainbow children. What does this mean for you? Join us as Denise and I dive in and explore what these terms and labels could possibly mean. I love this. And I think we've talked about this a lot with, and A, being averse to labeling everything, but sometimes you need to use a label. And also the fact that these little people coming in are even another extension of this starseed energy of this, uh, the indigos, the crystals, the rainbows, but uh, but there's you can see the progression. You can, but there's a thread between each of these that really connects us with our soul light, with who we really came here to be. And some people feel that you know there's a an extra worldly connection or more of a connection to divine. But I think it's I personally see a lot of, of people that fall in these categories as natural intuitives, natural healers, um, very connected with spirit, connected with their own inner knowing. So, and we've gotten a lot of uh, letters, notes, questions about, you know, these people that have, that are parenting these highly sensitive children. So hopefully today we can give a little bit more information that will help clarify some things for folks. Should we start with the indigos? I think we should. All right. So indigo souls are named because they have so much dark blue in their aura. They tend to have incarnated from around the 1950s to the 1980s, with the biggest groups coming in between the 1950s and 70s. Indigos are feisty, ready for change, rambunctious, and intuitive. They tend to be stubborn, headstrong, creative, passionate people who are rebels with a cause. I never realized the time frame indigos went back to the 50s. I always thought that it was later. That's really interesting. I did too. And I don't know if that has changed recently, but when I was trying to do some research, I thought it was more the 60s, 70s, and 80s. I think there's like, um, you know how Mercury retrograde has a shadow period of two weeks on each side of it? (laughs) Maybe the (laughs) indigo birth incarnation has a little shadow side on each side of it because Instead of it being just the 60s and 70s, there are some who were born in the 50s and some who were born in the 80s. Well, what just popped into my mind is, you know, the, the bell curve. That, And I still am a fan of the bell curve. I have to admit that you're going to have demographics on either side of the median, but we won't go there right now. Maybe some of the original star seeds, those earlier ones, were the beginning of that uptick. And then we hit that big in the... In the 80s, we hit the top of the bell curve. And then when we came down and then we slid into the next incarnation, the next type of, of um, intuitive energy that was coming in. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's said that indigos have come to this earth to break down old paradigms and outmoded belief systems. And if you look at what's occurred in our world since the indigos arrived, like 
the civil rights movement, the women's movement, the rock and roll revolution, the LGBTQ plus movement, just to name a few, are some of the changes that Indigos have come to help foster. And it is pretty cool to think about that. We haven't, yes, there have been revolutions and amazing, wonderful changes throughout history. But if you look at just the decade of the 60s, for example, I mean, so much change occurred. That's true. That's very true. And a lot of times uh, as adults, and see, this is where we've talked about this before as well. Sometimes when you start looking things up or looking for certain traits that might align with with a specific uh, definition or description, it seems like it could, could go across like, oh, that's what an empath is as well. But you know, obviously indigos aren't a recent phenomenon and and many people seem to believe that this is a thing or they see these traits in themselves. But as adults, one of the the first traits that come through for indigos is they always need to know why. They have a hard time accepting things just because they want to understand why things happen. They are said to question things incessantly. They want to understand the meaning behind things in a way that and why they're the way they are they might have a really uh, hard time with like inequality, suffering, hate, war, because they can't understand what fuels man's inhumanity to man. And that does blend beautifully with being an empath. But there's also, I think when we see that these are the people who can't not speak their truth. Another thing is they often dislike unnecessary authoritarian regimes. Okay. Again, that fits for a lot of us, and we may not technically be indigos, or we may and not realize it, because they don't believe the accepted wisdom is always correct. They might have a hard time at school because they argued with the accepted ways of doing things. Sometimes they might be seen as argumentative, as troublemakers, but they're not doing it to cause trouble. They just can't keep quiet when they see unfairness and inequality. That's why a lot of indigos might become apathetic towards conventional political and social systems because it's so hard for them to drink the Kool-Aid, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. They they can be really difficult to raise as children because they do have this rebellious streak. They have high energy, quick anger reflexes, and intolerance for lying, as you mentioned. They can always tell when someone's not being truthful. So as a child, if a parent lies to an indigo, this can really damage the indigo's ability to trust. Many indigos are labeled ADD or ADHD as a result of being misunderstood. They simply have come to earth on this specific mission and they're ready to get started now. Right. That ties in with indigos, children or adults. And and I would say that more the adults, considering the time frame that we gave for when that's when this cluster was really starting to be identified, they find it hard to bear the suffering of others because they're so deeply empathic. And they might avoid watching too much news, or it might seem like they don't care what's happening in the world, but it's because they care so much. And with that, they often have a close affinity with animals, and they might want to rescue animals or support animal charities. Uh, They love spending time in nature, looking after gardens and houseplants. They're the people that might prefer watching a documentary about animal behavior and the beauty of the planet. And they often don't believe that animals are less important than humans. So uh, I think this is, again, it correlates so strongly with being an empath, but an empath that is, it's their core belief system. It's, they're wired that way to the point where they can't turn it on and off, which most of us can't. No, 
No. And they, they prefer to not necessarily be on their own, but they indigos thrive best when they work for themselves or have at least some freedom in their work. And I think that's really important if you're identifying with some of the things we're talking about to recognize that you need that freedom. I don't know if I'm an indigo or not, but I do remember being in school feeling as though I were in prison. Like I remember mm-hmm. thinking, why do I have to raise my hand to go to the bathroom? that really always bothered me. And I remember when I became a teacher and I would tell, I mean, granted I was teaching college, but even to the college kids, I would say, you don't have to raise your hand. If you have to go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom. Or I would say, especially if I taught a night class, you know, bring food and bring your dinner in. I don't care. Um, If, if a, a student would email me and say, you know, my daughter's home from school today. I can't come into class. I'd say, well, stay home or, or bring her in and let her see what college is like. Like, I just never understood those strict rules. They never made sense to me. Did you ever mm-hmm. feel like that? Yes. Yes. And the, the funny part is, is I knew how to play school. I knew how to behave myself. Well, for most part. And then as I got older, other influences stepped in. But when I was younger, it, I did my homework. I listened. I was like so pathetically shy that I wasn't a pain in the ass in the class. That's for sure. But I'm, I see a lot of these tendencies in, some, of course, being in education so many years, of those kids who were bright and empathic and wonderful and creative, and they just couldn't play the game. They just could not do it the way the, the system expected them to do it. And that's, yeah. that's hard. That's, that's really hard. hard. I remember seeing those classmates in, when I was in school and thinking, it's really easy. You just have to sit still for 45 more minutes and then you won't create all this drama for everyone. Like I couldn't understand it as a kid when those students would act up, which makes sense though, because it says in a lot of the research that indigos often feel lonely and misunderstood. Yes. And they may suffer from uh, depression or helplessness or despair. And a lot of times these feelings may start in the teenage year and then become a cyclical pattern. And it's often because they just can't understand the harm that we're doing to one another or the disregard for nature or the emphasis on power and profit. It, it hits a, a moral compass cord for a lot of indigo folks. Equally, though, a lot of indigos have developed an interest in psychic and spiritual from an early age because it might show up as wanting to visit religious buildings to pray, even if they weren't brought up in a specifically religious or spiritual family. And this will often continue into adulthood because they're often very open-minded about spirituality and religion and on the core levels of what they really mean, on the the tenets of what true religion is based on or true spirituality. They often have had experience with seeing things from other realms, spirits, ghosts, angels. They may be comfortable with parallel realities or other dimensions They may have problems in the material world, have a hard time wearing watches. They might stop working or have a problem with computers. And uh, again, this is something that seems to go across the board, often have a special affinity with the time 11-11 and notice it often when they happen to glance glance at a clock. Lastly, I think another trait that's pretty consistent for indigos is they feel a strong need to find their life purpose. They can't just settle. They need to find what really they came here to do. So do you resonate with that? Do you think you're an indigo? 
I, I never did because I didn't think I was in the bracket for it with my age. But a lot of, with the very first, you know, when you were first saying strong, headstrong, stubborn, I was like, hmm, kind of a mirror there, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know it's interesting. I do think with everything, as you said in the beginning, labels are hard. There's always a spectrum that you have to look at. And I think you and I do have a lot of indigo qualities. I know that we have a hard time. I don't like following the clock. I haven't worn a watch since high school. Computers do act up on me. I always see 1111. I mean, just those last things you mentioned, I would not describe. I always tried to play the game. I always tried to fit in and get along, go along. That was just survival for me. Do, do you ever feel that way? Like, just get through this. Like I said, wait till the school alarm bell rings and then you're free. Yes. Yes. The other stuff that you mentioned does really resonate. A lot of the really creative, the change makers, maybe feeling a little bit like a lost soul, but there's a passion and a focus for what does resonate with you on a core level. And I think maybe one of the challenges or the goals for someone who identifies with with what we're talking about might be to really go within and say, what is it that I want for me? What is it that I came here to do? And it might not be about what you do. It's about who you are. So what resonates with you in your day-to-day life? Do you just need more time outside? Do you need to have time with a therapy animal? Do you need to volunteer at a shelter? It could be something that feeds that indigo part of your soul and not necessarily a big mission that has to. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, no, it does. Because I remember when I was choosing my career, I remember thinking, because I interned and did a lot of office jobs and I knew an office that was like another school prison to me. Mm-hmm. You know, have you ever been surrounded by cubicle walls? Only once. Like the it little girl well. and people, <laughs> and, oh, I just hate it. They, they pin up pictures of their family and they have their little house plant. And I would just sing nine to five in my head until six o'clock came and I could leave. But I knew that wasn't going to work for me. And so teaching was really the main reason why I chose it wasn't really for altruistic pers- purposes at first. It was because I knew I would have some freedom in the classroom, you know, or I could kind of be my own boss. Right. And so I think it's important if you recognize some indigo qualities in yourself to then apply those to your career choices. Like, is this career really resonating with my soul and my, and my true personal needs? That's a very good point. Because the, the mission of an indigo is to break down these outdated thought patterns to shake people awake to truth and to educate their peers about love, forgiveness, and tolerance. And there are many, you don't have to do that on a grand scale. You know, we're not saying you've got to go and, and I don't know, break down some 100-year-old wall of, of blocking something, but you can do it in little ways throughout your own day in life and, and the career and the work that you choose to engage with. That's beautifully, beautifully said. And if you look at this as a a soul group, doesn't it make sense why when we interact with each other, if you're an indigo or you have these tendencies and characteristics, why there's a feeling of acceptance and being home when you're able to interact with like-minded people who understand the way you're wired. So if we came in as a soul group as indigos or 
crystals or rainbow children. That makes sense to me. Yeah, it does to me too. But I think if people are resonating with this, something I've had to recognize, there's not a lot of us out there. But I do think we're finding each other. I do too. I do too. But what I mean is my whole goal lately has just been to accept people where they are. Mm -hmm. You know, rather than saying like, well, why do, why do you believe in that? Why are you against this? Why are you for that? Just accepting people where they are and just, you know, finding my tribe and moving on. It's so much, it's so much, a, such a gentler way to go through life. It is. And that we, we shared this before about, you know, the polarity and I talk about that a lot, but that really helped my own mindset when it clicked for me that the extremes, if I may not agree with the extremes, I may not understand the extremes, but I do have to respect that that's someone's truth. Right. And to them, it is very real. Right. Right. And just accepting that and, you know, worrying about your own personal space. I think it's a very good way to go through life right now. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about the crystal children who began incarnating in the 1990s. Although some research says that scout crystal children began arriving in the 80s. They're most often recognized by their large luminous eyes. And they're called crystal children because their aura is seen as opalescent or crystal clear in color. And also because these souls are crystal clear as to their soul purpose. They're here to build a new foundation of love for the earth. So the indigos have knocked down the old order, so to speak. And now the crystals are moving in to lay the foundation for a new way of living. One that is centered on love. Oh, isn't that beautiful? It really is. A lot of crystal children, they may emanate creativity. They love to express their creative light through art, music, dance, crafts, putting on plays, drama, costumes. A lot of times they prefer, have you ever been around little kids that they, there's a cookie and some grapes and they're going to, um, they're going to choose the grapes or they're going to choose the apple because they, they might resonate more with those fresh foods, those fresh fruits and vegetables, juices often are natural healers. And this one would be right up your alley because I wanted to ask you about this. They might be fascinated by crystals and can spend hours playing with them, talking to them, holding them. And isn't one of your girls really connected and yes. has been since she was little? Yes. And it's funny because she just had a new friend over a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, my house is filled with crystals. And she walked in and she was like, oh, because I have this huge display of them in the family room. And she was just drawn instantly to them. And then she goes to the little back room where I have all my my books. I call it my little library. And there's crystals there. And she goes, oh, my gosh, are you like a geologist? <laughs> <laughs> and then they go into the kitchen and they're, of course, they're on the windowsill. And she was she just would not stop talking about it. And I have bowls of them in different rooms too. And, and she just played with them all afternoon while she and my daughter talked. And of course I was like, please take what you want and go. And so it's funny because even watching the kids grow up, I'd say like one out of 10 little girls that came to this house would be like that, just a magnet to those crystals. And the others were just like, huh, that's weird. Well, my mom collects Barbies or crystal figurines and they were just, you know, whatever. Right. But at least one out of 10 is like that. That's just completely drawn. 
um, she is another friend who said, can I come over on Saturday and just play with your crystals? And I said, absolutely. Anytime. So I do think that there are some kids that are just drawn to that. And even if you don't have crystals in your home, you might find that your child wants to have a walk in nature all the time and they will find special shells or rocks or stones. I think that's another aspect of these crystal children, don't you? Yes, because a lot of times they love nature, animals, trees, plants, and they might feel they're communicating with them or they are actually. And I I always, I do believe you can communicate with anything that has energy and spirit. And I think all living things do, just my own personal aside. But with that connection, sometimes crystal children can be mistaken for having characteristics similar to children that are um, seen as autistic because they often don't conform or fit in with the other kids. They might be wired a little differently. They might, like you said, be more drawn to the crystals and going for a walk than what's the latest video game. Balance and energetically, they're often very even-tempered and easygoing, forgiving, deeply, deeply connected to the earth and all living creatures. But again, that they have, I think that if we want to look for a physical characteristic, they, they usually have a very intense stare and, and very penetrating eyes that look right into your soul. Very affectionate. They have a lot of sensitivities to food and clothing. And I think that's important to look at if you're trying to discern if you have a crystal child. Many have food allergies. They develop rashes. They dislike certain material. They're picky eaters. And it's said that this is because they're vibrating at such a high energy, so much higher than the rest of us, that when they eat food with harsh additives or wear clothing made out of rough fabric, they can feel it more intensely. Kind of correlating with indicators that someone may have autistic tendencies is the highly sensitive to loud, sharp noises, to being uncomfortable in loud crowds, to you know being very sensitive to extreme temperatures or, or variances in, in their um, path. Now, it's said that they often have, and this is right up your alley, often have a soul path number of 11, 22, 33, and I've never heard you say 44 or 7. So, well, a 7 is one of the common ones, but do you mean 447 no, or 44? Well, what I looked up, it said 44, but I don't know how you would have a 44 for a soul path number. Well, I suppose numbers are amazing. I suppose they could add up to a 44. I was always taught that the three main master numbers are 11, 22, and 33. And then a seven, which is, that's, um, do you have a seven? I have my my, uh, personality number is a seven. I have a lot of nines. You have, oh, See, I think nines are way cooler than sevens in my <laughs> Because if you have a seven in your numbers, it's the number of the mystic, the wise sage, but they can be very aloof and they can be more indigo energy. Whereas nine is the last single digit number. They're the true humanitarians and they just have such a giving altruistic nature. Oh, but yeah, I have one of that friend of Chloe's who's really into crystals. She asked me to look at her numbers and she has the 11, 22, and 33. Wow. Yeah. I was like, girl, you're going to do something amazing. We're all going to know your name. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, and again, see, now this is 
there was something that I, you know, had read was that sometimes they'll have difficulty getting along with other children or playing with other children that can play really easily with animals and other crystal children. It's like they understand each other, which kind of goes along with what you were saying about that some of the children that have come to play with your girls over the years. Oh, this girl, she's sitting down to dinner Saturday night and she says, well, Miss Faye, now how was your week? Are you doing all right? <laughs> <laughs> I said, yes, I've had a lovely week. Thank you so much. And she said, well, are you concerned about what's happening with China and Taiwan? I keep telling myself not to read the news, but I just can't stop myself. Okay. And now, and she goes on and on. She knew more about world events than literally all of my adult friends. So how old is she? 15. Wow. She's absolutely wow. amazing. And similar to the indigos, Crystal's children will often see their angels, their deceased loved ones, spirit guides, have the imaginary friends, which we both know aren't imaginary. And they intuitively know when people's hearts are open and are really drawn to those people. Is sometimes they may struggle as adults with or or later on with some addiction issues or feeling like they don't fit in. But but often, you know, they're these loving and powerful old souls who as we said before, they've come to answer this. We're, we're all evolving. We're moving in a new direction as a humanity, as a culture, as a society, globally, which I think is, we are so damn lucky to be here right now. And when I start getting caught up in the negative stuff, I remind myself, damn, what an exciting time to be on the planet. And if you switch that, it changes your whole viewpoint and it empowers you to be more of a catalyst for positive change rather than feeling victimized by all the things that are out of our control right now. Yes, yes. Well, something else I found interesting is crystal children, they tend to be naturally telepathic, meaning they can read or send thoughts easily. And because of this, many crystal children have delayed speech, with the majority waiting until age three or four to fully talk. They are very cuddly and communicative and caring as children. They're kind, loving, and sensitive. They're intelligent. They're natural healers and gifted psychics. They love to give spontaneous hugs. As children, they will say very deep words of wisdom and will be drawn to all things spiritual. As we said, they love playing with rocks and stones. They love nature, deep connection with animals. They they know what to say and maybe just as importantly, what not to say. And they appear much wiser than their years. They're very sensitive and empathic. They don't like to perform under pressure and they will often resist competitive situations. So crystal children, for example, they might not be your soccer player. They might not be best in a football team. They're not, it's not to say that they're not team players. They just don't like that that pressure to perform and that I'm going to beat you, you know, that type of energy, we're going to win. Their mission on earth is to build an energy of love and acceptance. Right. The indigos, if we wanted to kind of characterize it, they have more of that warrior spirit and they came in to uproot the old structures and really they're, they're holding the torch and lighting the way. And then they're bringing in behind them are the crystals who are a little more even tempered. They're more peace loving they're more sensitive and empathic. So I think then, then it leads into the rainbow children. And a lot of crystal children, adults, may have a rainbow child. At th that may be their child. They may be the parent of a, a rainbow child. Okay, here's what I read about rainbows. 
they will never incarnate into a dysfunctional family. Wow. Most indigos do. (laughs) We don't get to be in that club. Yes, we're not rainbow (laughs) children. (laughs) Sorry. No rainbow aura for you, Denise. (laughs) So most indigos, which I think you and I kind of are, but I won't place that on you. But I think we have those tendencies. Most indigos choose to incarnate into very dysfunctional families because it helps them build their feisty independence. It helps them build their strength and that character. Hmm. Crystal children need at least one parent to be an indigo. Oh. But rainbow children insist on being born into happy, functioning, healthy homes, and they prefer to be born to crystal parents. Wow, that's interesting. I know, I thought so too. And they began coming to Earth in the year 2000. Okay. But they're still very young. That makes sense. Yeah. And they're happy, joyful babies, no colic here. So they're very easy children. And people will often refer to them as like Earth angels because they just never think of themselves. They're very joyful. They're focused on helping others. They have high energy. They love bright colors. They don't really care about fitting in. They're just content to spend a lot of time with themselves. Um, they, it is said that rainbow children have never incarnated on earth before. They have no karma, no past baggage. Right. And they don't need that chaos or the challenges to balance karma or grow because they've come in peaceful and, and into functional households. Now, what's interesting too about the crystals is they they can be very strong-willed personality, very strong-willed little people. Well, now that if 2000, these might be people in the early 20s, which doesn't that fit with, I mean, you've heard me say this a hundred times that I, I love the generation coming in because they're wired differently. And that would fit that, that late teens, early 20s and younger. And I think that this new little group coming in is, is uh, the next wave, but I don't know enough about anything yet, but I'm putting together some things on that because they, they're coming in with a deeper concentration of other traits mm-hmm. with the, the little people that are like under three. Very enthusiastic, uh, highly attuned, as you said, to color and vibration, high energy, uh, very telepathic. Um, they're, they're, again, I guess the only way to put it is they're wired differently, but they're so comfortable with being wired differently. Whereas the indigos and the crystals, they are more a little aloof. They're a little more on the outside of the fringe. Whereas the, these folks coming in as crystal children are saying, I'm here. This is who I am. You get me or you don't. Yeah, exactly. Now it says that very few rainbows have incarnated so far, but that more should be coming in the upcoming years. Mm-hmm. They're really confident without being aggressive. They have a very balanced energy. They're mentally and emotionally very healthy, and they exhibit little to no signs of worry or anxiety. Their mission on earth is to usher in a new era of unconditional love. Oh, which goes with everything we've been talking about. I know. They're also seen as very, very forgiving. It's easy for them to forgive others. And a a lot of people, that's a a karmic work that they're doing. They're working hard on on how to forgive and release. 
But these people are coming in, the rainbows are coming in as that's not an issue they have to work with. Okay, so when I was trying to do some research for this, there's this thing that people are talking about. Are you an indigo in transition? Mm-hmm. Where, okay, so there's this belief that in order to speed up the positive changes that are coming to this earth and help deflect so much of the negative energy that we're all seeing around us, many indigos have offered to transition into crystal energy while in this incarnation. Oh, it's a pretty amazing phenomenon, isn't it? Most souls make difficult transitions like this in the peace and security of the other side. But for the feisty, strong, independent indigo, they enjoy and welcome a challenge. And so if you feel that you're an indigo and you've been feeling very out of sorts for the last couple of years, you might be an indigo in, in transition, meaning you might be kind of shedding some of that angsty anger righteousness for more of this chill crystal energy. And here are some signs that you are transitioning from an indigo to a crystal. An increase in psychic ability, increase in anxiety, periods of zoning out, needing to rest more than you're used to, feeling anxious about humanity and the state of the world, difficulty coping with everyday life, disrupted sleep patterns, waking up several times a night or at the same time each evening, experiencing a range of bodily sensations such as an increase in headaches, back and neck pain, extreme fatigue, knee pain, feeling dizzy and spacey. And so if you're experiencing a majority of those symptoms, according to some spiritual researchers, you might be going through this transition. What do you think about that? <laughs> I was listening and thinking, I, I thought all that shit was just from getting old. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and a lot of those just sound like chemical depression too, don't they? Yeah, they do. They do. It makes sense so to me. It really does because so many people are experiencing this. It's not just so, and you know, the geek part of my brain, which, which I really appreciate that geeky side. I love to look for those patterns. I love to look for the, the things that, so why this isn't just, a specific, this is on a global level, again, where you might be in Australia or Thailand or Canada or Arizona and experiencing this on an individual level, but knowing someone else on the planet is feeling that as well. And obviously, if you're having symptoms that you're concerned about your health, we're not saying that this is the answer. Please check with your physician, your medical provider. Don't don't say, oh, that's okay. I'm just in transition. I'm, a, I'm an indigo and I'm in transition. And that's why I keep falling down and I'm dizzy. <laughs> we can't, <laughs> we have to be careful with that. Yes. I totally agree. But I do think there are some times in our lives where we feel like there's a shift happening within us. And I sometimes I don't even think we can be cognizant of it while it's going on. It's only in reflection in the rearview mirror that we can go, wow, that was a really powerful period of transformation. So it's, it's a shift. It's an energetic shift that's yes. bringing on these. Okay. And, and ways to deal with that would probably be similar to other things that we often say of make sure you're drinking enough water and get out in nature and um, take care of yourself. 
Yeah, exactly. Because it says that this transition can last anywhere from one to three years. So it's not like overnight. And so there's a lot of surrendering to some of these changes, exchanges, accepting these changes, taking breaks from media so that your, your energy, your consciousness isn't saturated with negative news. You know, try to watch more uplifting, funny movies or read some nice, comforting books. And just take heart because all of this, all it means is that your soul is increasing in its own journey to the light, which in turn will help you light up the world around you. So it's a good thing going through this transition. But you know what I keep thinking about, Janice? So many of our listeners have told us that they resonated so strongly with the Hyoka empath. Mm -hmm. What if you're a Hyoka and an indigo? Oh, Oh, that's interesting. The double whammy. Yes, a double whammy. That would be really intense. And I think it's important just to recognize, oh, that's why I am the way I am. And then maybe we can be more gentle on ourselves. Right. And these are, I mean, if you need to say I'm an indigo or a crystal or my child is a rainbow, to to look for more information or to, if you're listening to this and you say, "Um, I'm the poster child or my my nephew is every aspect of what you just described, that's a beautiful stepping off point to help support either yourself or someone else on your own personal journey or theirs. It really is. And I think it's nice just to be able to recognize it. And still though, I don't think I would put that on a child. No. You know what I mean? I wouldn't be like, hey, I think you're a rainbow child and you're going to usher in a whole new era of peace for the world. <laughs> Just no. let him go to middle school. Yeah, no, that that would be, um, that's, it, it's messing with their, their uh, choice and free will as well. Exactly. They've got to find their own way. Like with my older two girls, I have had so many vivid dream experiences of past lives we've shared together. And of course I told them about them. I have had no past life dreams about my youngest and Mm -hmm. it bothers her. She's like, why, like, why don't you know how we were connected? And I'm like, I don't know. So then she listened to this past life regression meditation that I really like with Brian Weiss. And she remembered nothing. Wow. He's incredibly intuitive. And so I thought, huh, maybe she has aspects of this rainbow child energy within her. Did I tell her that? No, because I just don't think, I don't know. I think people need to discover this for themselves. Yes. And when we project our beliefs onto other people, even if they're our own children, I don't know. I don't feel very comfortable with that. Let let everyone discover who they are, where they are, and and just be at peace with that. That's just my opinion. I agree. And you know, I kind of agree with Rebecca Campbell and and this is from something she had written. And she said, you find terms such as soul, star, seed, spirit, cosmic self, star origin, but we're referring to the part of you that's inextinguishable and eternal, the part that exists beyond this life and which you carry lifetime to lifetime, the part that may have experienced places far beyond this one, the part that stays connected to the intelligent pulse of the entire universe and that's waiting to guide you every moment of every day. And I think even if a rainbow child can't resonate with a past life, there's still 
resonating with that cosmic energy, with that all that is, on maybe even more of a depth than any of us can imagine or realize. Yes, exactly. Because there's so little we really know. I mean, just because you can't recall a past life doesn't mean you haven't had other past lives and other. Right, exactly. And there are probably even more labels that we haven't even come across in our research. (laughs) Probably some new generation coming in in the, I don't know, mid 2000s that we haven't even heard of yet. But it does feel that each one is getting more and more positive. Right. And, And the visual that I keep getting in my mind is the indigos lighting the torch for the crystals who are lighting the torch for the rainbows who are turning and lighting the torch for this next generation coming in. But we're all here to do the same thing, which is heal, raise the vibration, help the planet, help each other. It's actually, it's a really cool thing. Yeah. And it seems like each generation is getting more and more peaceful. Right. Which is really, really, really nice. And I, again, I do feel like, is this, is this on a spectrum? Because I have a friend who had a, has a child and that child was very, very colicky, but now that he's older and he's in his young teens, he he fit, he ticks all the boxes for a rainbow child. And so I just wonder if it's not such a hard and fast rule with every one of these labels. Like, for example, I don't think you tick every box for an indigo because you were mm-hmm. such a calm. I, I picture you as a very calm, easy to raise child. Well, <laughs> raise your hands, you did your homework, you know, you helped your parents around the house. I don't know. Yeah, I, just, I, I always that, had this. That image. wasn't always by choice. That was <laughs> well. That's true too. I get that too. Whereas, like, I was raised in one of the only hurricanes to ever hit Connecticut. That's how I was born on Hurricane Agatha. I think it was called. And my dad always said, "And you were the hurricane that came into our family." Oh my! <laughs> so I think I definitely tick a lot of the indigo boxes, but then there's some of them that I that I don't tick off at all. So I, I think, again, when we're looking at who am I, who are my children, who are my peers, I don't think we can look at these as, you know, just, oh, well, you have to be all 10 of these things. I just want to add another little twist. If you're seeing these tendencies in your own child and they're having, and I'm, I'm treading lightly with this, but if you're, if a a school situation, an educational situation is trying to, I'm going to just be blunt, pigeonhole your child under a specific label or specific tendencies that are based on something that doesn't resonate with you. Remember, you have rights. Remember, your child has rights. And that's just kind of a a public service announcement from my prior self. Because I think sometimes these kids that are wired a little differently can be seen as, um, what is it now, you know, as non-neurotypical or whatever, but that's not the case. They're just seeing life through a different lens. That's a really important and beautiful point to make. That's why I'm a little concerned about this push to get kids into school like eight to five from the age of three on. Does that concern Mm -hmm. More than you can know. Yeah. And so what's interesting is we have that that aspect, and then we have the forest preschools where I had talked with a woman recently, and her child is getting ready to go into a more traditional school setting, but preschool was playing outside and forest and growing plants and, and all of the experiential 
nature stuff. So there seems That's to be becoming more trendy in, in a lot of schools. And I hope it, I hope it gains ground those outside classrooms. Right. Or truly being multimodality, truly teaching to all the aspects because traditional education is great for auditory learners. It's fantastic. It's not great for kinesthetic learners often. No, no. I remember my daughters got into this habit around when they were in middle school where they'd come home from school and they'd sit at the dining room table and they would do homework until dinner. And in the wintertime, I was, that's fine. But when spring came, I was like, guys, like you can do homework after dinner or I'll help you with it later. I think homework is such BS. Mm-hmm. I'm like, go outside and play. Let's walk the dog. Let's do this. And, and so we did, and <laughs> we were sitting at dinner and my middle daughter goes, oh my gosh, it's all a shell game. I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, it's all a hack. This whole system is designed just to get us to be worker bees. It, it was so funny to watch her have this revelation where she was like, oh my gosh, mom, the only reason why we have to stay in school for seven hours and then come home and do homework for three hours is so we don't fight and complain and moan and groan when we have to work the rest of our lives. Is this your middle girl? Yes. <laughs> Which fits so true to who she is. I love it that. <laughs> I was like, oh, you get it. You got it way sooner than anyone else. So yeah, I think it's important to think about how we are all these free souls. And sure, you can slap a label on us and you know put us into this box or that box. But at the end of the day, we're souls. We know who we are. We know we have a special mission. It might be just a mission to turn on the light in your friend or your child or your spouse or your partner. It might be just a mission to shake and wake up the old, not so great foundations that have been passed on generationally in your family. Or your mission might be even greater to share a universal message of love, light, and truth. I don't think it matters if you help one person or a billion people. What matters is that you know you're here for a very special purpose that's so much more than clocking into work and paying that mortgage, you know? Right, right. We're all in this together, aren't we? We are all in this together. So we hope this has been helpful and maybe a little bit informative. And we look forward to hearing your feedback. If you like this show, we would love for you to take some time to leave us a kind review on your listening platform or join us on our Facebook page, Enlightened Empaths, or tell a friend so that we can continue to grow our community. And we'd love it if you would check out our websites and see some of the great things we have coming up. Mine is samanthafay.com, and I have a class coming up in November where I help soul travelers explore their night work experience through dreams. And Denise has some awesome things coming up. You can check her out at thegratefulmessenger.com. I think we're all getting ready to grow and evolve in a new direction. Your class sounds fantastic. Thank you. I'm really excited about it. So please connect with us, join us, and we hope to see you on social media. And we will definitely see you next week with another exciting show. Please remember, as always, to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care.